This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So, the power of data, the power of knowledge, the power of pedagogy, the power of analysis, the power of reason, the power of Leobardo Estrada. Today we celebrate the triumph of the Academy, the triumph of the Chicano Academy. You know, the history of Leo Estrada's career is the history of the struggle to make real the promise of a self-evident truth that all of us are created equal. You know, and there is only one thing that our federal government does, only one thing that our federal government does that treats us all completely equal, and that is to be fairly and accurately counted in the census. And Leo knew this and devoted himself to supporting the work of the researchers, the scientists, and the professionals at the Census Bureau, working at the Census Bureau himself during the pivotal moments in the evolution of the Census Bureau's understanding of Latinos. He served as special assistant to the chief of population division and as staff assistant to the deputy director and in other capacities, contributing to the mission that all persons be equally counted, all Latinos be equally counted. A daunting challenge that we continue to face today. Now, lest we forget our history, and I've come to appreciate how poorly we teach our history, that we need to remind people that when the census was established, not everybody was counted equally. When the Constitution was written, African-American slaves were counted only as three-fifths of a person. The census, our form of democracy, was born out of the racism of the era. This nation fought a civil war over this, and it is in the 13th and 14th Amendments to the Constitution that this offense against humanity began to be cured. The 14th Amendment of the Constitution reads, representatives shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole number of persons in each state. Persons, male or female, you count as one. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or straight, you count as one. One-year-old, 18 years old, 21 years old, 100 years old, you count as one. Experiencing homelessness or exceptional wealth, you count as one. Law-abiding or felon, you count as one. White, black, Asian, American Indian, multiracial or multi-ethnic, you count as one. Latino or non-Latino, you count as one. Protestant, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, Catholic, you count as one. Citizen or non-citizen, you count as one. If you're counted. Let me tell you, for decades, 
there have been efforts not to count immigrants. What we're experiencing today is nothing new. Efforts to exclude both legal and undocumented immigrants from the census count used to apportion the U.S. House of Representatives. And despite various attempts to achieve this through legislation and through the courts, these efforts have largely failed because the Constitution language is perfectly and abundantly clear. So because nativists and racists cannot change the words or the meaning of the 14th Amendment on their own to not count immigrants, they are now attempting to do it through fear and deceit. That is the only possible motivation for adding an untested, unprecedented question on citizenship. If you cannot force the Census Bureau to exclude immigrants, then scare the immigrants away from being counted, and you get the same result. Today, we face the most virulent challenge to our values and principles as Americans, and this assault on the Constitution could very well be sanctioned by the Supreme Court of the United States if a majority of the justices decide to overturn the rulings of three federal district courts. And that is a very, very real possibility that could happen within days. To put today's struggle in context, we should understand that this fight began decades ago and with fierce opposition. One of our warriors along the way was Leo Estrada. The history of the census runs parallel with the trajectory of the Latino community and Leo's career. It was not until the 1970 census that Hispanic origin question was first included on the census questionnaire, and it was added very late in the process and only to the long form. This was achieved through strong advocacy from Latino leaders of the era, pressing upon the administrations of Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon to recognize the presence and contributions of our community. And the effort was not universally accepted. There was opposition from leaders in the white community, in the African-American community, Native Americans, even in the Asian community. Fear that including the Latino category would somehow mean that it would depress the count or reduce the count of their populations. Shortly after being named director of the Census Bureau in 1974, Vince Barraba established the first Spanish Origin Advisory Committee. It consisted of representatives from key Latino organizations and leaders. It was chaired by Vilma Martinez, and I don't know if Ambassador Martinez is here with us today in the room, but her leadership and her legacy is part of this history as well. You know, these were the early days of the work of MALDEF and NCLR and among others, and working with, at the Census Bureau at the time, shepherding this work was Leo Estrada. Work that resulted for the 1980 census in the inclusion for the first time of a question on Hispanic origin that was asked of everybody in the census. Interestingly, Barraba continues to be very active in retirement. He is the chair of California's first Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission, in which Maria Blanco also sits, who you will hear from later this afternoon. There were two key policy mandates in the second half of the 70s that shaped our work today. In June 1976, the Roybal Act, named for Leo's, I'm sorry, not Leo's, Naleo's, it says L-E-O. <laughs> named for Le Naleo's founder, the late Congressman Edward Roybal, 
The act required various cabinet agencies to develop methods for improving and expanding the collection analysis and publication of data on Latinos. It directed the Office of Management and Budget and the Secretary of Commerce and the heads of data gathering federal agencies to develop a government-wide program for the collection, analysis, and publication of this data on Latinos. And it required estimates of undercounts on Latinos by the Census Bureau, and that the Census Bureau use Spanish language questionnaires and hire more Latinos. The preamble of that act cites that at the time there were more than 12 million Americans who identified themselves as being a Spanish-speaking background and tracing their origins or descent from Mexico, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Central America, and South America, and other Spanish-speaking countries. I chuckle because at the time, they were talking about 12 million Latinos. There are more than 15 million Latinos in California alone today. Shortly thereafter, in May of 1997, OMB issued Statistical Policy Directive 15. I may have never heard of this, but those of us who are NATO nerds, it's very important to us. The directive provides standard classifications for record keeping, collection, and presentation of data on race and ethnicity in the federal government. This policy required all federal data collected by agencies to institute a Hispanic category. Today we refer to these as the standards on the collection of race and Hispanic origin data. Keep that in mind. Remember when I talk about the standards. I'm going to come back to them as how they're affecting our work today. So the 1980 census included Hispanic origin question for the first time on the short and long forms. And as soon as Latinos had the opportunity to be fully enumerated, so began the proactive efforts to suppress the count of Latinos. The minute there was a Latino question, so started the efforts not to count us. The 1990 census was marred by efforts to remove undocumented immigrants from the apportionment count. Lawsuits were filed, Ridge versus Verity, and legislation advanced by Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama. The United States Senate, on three occasions, passed legislation to prohibit the use of appropriations by the Census Bureau to count undocumented immigrants. It was a bipartisan vote on three occasions. This is where I cut my teeth in advocacy. We're trying to figure out how are we going to defeat this in the House when Democrats and Republicans voted together to prohibit the use of resources by the Census Bureau to count all of us. So we worked with our partners at Univision and Telemundo. We decided to do a massive campaign within our community. We asked the, the viewership of these networks to call Congress and demand that this le legislation be put to a halt. Now, of course, the message communicated was in Spanish by Univision and Telemundo. And it was referred to as La Emienda Shelby. So the operators at the US Capitol, because we put the phone number, call this number and ask to speak to your member of Congress. So the operators at the Capitol were getting these hundreds of calls 
saying, la enmienda Shelby tiene que morir. They didn't know what to do with them. But that was the year that a young Cuban-American woman from Florida, the first Latina elected to the House of Representatives of Modern Times, Ileana Ross Layton, had just taken office. And all the calls went to her. <laughs> well, you know, the legislation ultimately failed in the House. But it didn't fail on the merits. We had to lobby the Democrats hard on this. And the only way they found it to defeat this legislation in the House was to defeat a procedural motion, the motion to rise. Had the actual legislation reached the House floor, Democrats and Republicans together very well could have voted to prevent the enumeration of immigrants, of undocumented immigrants in 1980. So now, that was 1990. Despite the challenges and the resulting data, though, as flawed as it was, coupled with the historic court vic uh, voting rights victories by Maldiff and others, it set the stage for a redistricting process in 1991 in which Leo Estrada did a mapping effort here in California that resulted in historic gains for Latino voters. I had the honor and privilege to work alongside Leo during this period. While I never enrolled in a class he taught, there was no better learning opportunity than to be his apprentice. We went on to work on the 2000 census. It too included an effort to exclude Latinos. This was the debate uh, on whether or not the Census Bureau could use scientific methods to statistically adjust the, cens the census itself to compensate for undercounts and overcounts. This was one of the examples where the Census Bureau experienced interference, interference by the administration. At this time, it was the Bush administration. The Census Bureau was actually proceeding to use sampling to adjust the census, but it was overruled by Secretary Mossbacher at the time. This led to a creation of the Census Monitoring Board and a Supreme Court decision requiring that the census count for the apportionment of the House of Representatives be based on an actual enumeration. However, legal experts agree that the question is still open about whether it is permissible to use adjusted census data for other purposes, including redistricting and funding formulas. The 2000 census was also underscored the importance of testing and wording of questions on the census form, research that Leo knew extremely well. The 2000 version of the Hispanic origin question failed to include examples for the writing category. If you look at this uh, Hispanic origin question, the question is, is this person Hispanic, yes or no? And then there are four options. Well, no being one of them, then there are four options. Yes, Mexican-American, yes, Puerto Rican, yes, Cuban, or yes, other Hispanic. Write in uh, the other Hispanic. The 2000 census didn't have any examples as to what was intended. So as a consequence, there was a decline of Dominicans in New York City after the 2000 census. I know, it's, it sounds funny, right? But that's what happens when you don't test a question on the census questionnaire. There are unintended consequences. There was also a dramatic increase in the number of Latinos who only said they were Latinos. 
because they were not directed uh, by the wording on the question. So that was 2000. Then we come to the 2010 census. 2010 census was extremely important in the history for Latinos because it was the first one in which Latinos comprised the nation's second largest population group, second only to non-Hispanic whites. So from that point forward, it is unavoidable. A flawed, flawed count of the Latino population means a flawed national census. And it too had its crises. There was a, a disastrous miscommunication between the Census Bureau and Latino leaders in South Texas about how the enumeration would take place in the colonias. The Bureau had been telling all of us, look for your questionnaire in the mail. And so we told everybody in the colonias, look for the questionnaire in the mail. And when the census started, there was no mail to be delivered. Because the Census Bureau never told us they never intended to mail forms in the colonias. They were going to send enumerators out, knock on doors, and count people. This was one of the places where we had to work with community leadership to restore the Bureau's comp, uh, reputation in order for people to cooperate in 2010. And then there was another controversy uh, in 2010. Uh, and as what my parents would often say, para acabarla de fregar, <laughs> there were people who were telling Latinos to boycott the census in 2010. This is a group of evangelical ministers who thought that by not having Latinos counted in the census, somehow we would punish elected officials who achieved to pass comprehensive immigration reform. Well, that was the 2010 census, and we survived that one too. And now we're on the road to 2020. And the Census Bureau had planned to modernize the collection of race and Hispanic origin data based on years of research, including the largest research experiment ever undertaken by the agency, the 2010 Alternative Questionnaire Experiment and Subsequent Research. It established a federal working group, and this research led to a recommendation of a single combined race and Hispanic origin question to replace the two-question format. We were very skeptical about what this recommendation would be because I know that my predecessors, people like Milma Martinez at the time at Maldev, Raul Izaguirre, and others have fought for a question on Hispanic origin. And here the Census Bureau was saying, let's get rid of the Hispanic origin question and include it in one question that asks both race and Hispanic origin. And I remember going to Leo and asking for his advice and guidance, as I always did when I came to the question on census. And his advice was, what does the research show? And so our message to the Census Bureau was, prove it to us. Prove to us that a combined question actually results in more accurate and complete data on Latinos than having a separate standalone Latino-only question. And we spent years with the Bureau going through the research to the point that we were finally convinced and ready to stand up with the Census Bureau and advocate for a combined question that in a census form that would not have a separate Hispanic-only question. Because the Hispanic-only question actually is a flawed way of collecting data about Latinos. And it's something that um, I know many of us have experienced because we get mailed this questionnaire 
and we're always asked, are you Hispanic, yes or no? Well, not always, since 1980. And we'll check yes, and Mexican-American, Puerto Rican, Cuban, and now with examples, many writing Guatemalan and Dominican and others. And then you go to the next question and you're asked, what is your race? And we know that many of us will say, what are you talking about? I just told you I'm Mexican. And the Census Bureau says, no, the OMB standards, don't forget the standards. The standard says that there are only five races, white, black, Asian, Asian uh, Pacific Islander, Asian Pacific Islander, Native Hawaiian, Native Alaskan. Hispanic is an ethnicity. So you already told me you're ethnically Latino, not tell me what you are racially. Well, Latinos look at that form and say, well, I'm not white, I'm not black, I'm not Asian. I'm not Native Alaskan, Native Hawaiian, so I must be some other race. And so about half of Latinos check off some other race, and then they write in things like Atslan, <laughs> Raza, Chicano. I know some of you did that in here. <laughs> well, the problem with marking some other race is that there's no such thing, according to the standards of some other race. And it's a little known secret that the Census Bureau has to go back and impute racial data for people who choose not to identify a racial category. Which is why we were advocating, finally, having seen the proof, that a combined question would result in better data on Latinos because 99% of Latinos found themselves on the form, on the combined question. So the Bureau was proceeding up until a year and a half ago to use the combined question. And this interagency group submitted their recommendations to OMB because they needed the standards, those standards again, to be updated in order to allow a combined question to go forward. Well, in January of last year, the Census Bureau announced that its final test in the field would include a Hispanic origin question and a race question not the combined question. And that was the first hint we got of the interference of the Trump administration into the science and the research that the Census Bureau was promoting. Because when the Census Bureau and the federal agencies delivered their recommendations to OMB and to the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, for, them, for those offices to act and update the standards based on the research that report, that recommendation, just sat on somebody's desk and continues to gather dust today. A complete disregard by this administration of science and of research. And so the Bureau now is proceeding with a two-question format. And people will ask, well, why? Why not collect better data on Latinos and all these other categories? Is this even going to be a new category called MENA, Middle Eastern North African. Because if you are from Morocco or Egypt or Algeria, Syria, Lebanon, and any of the Arab countries, Israel as well, the Census Bureau says you are racially white. And the people from that part of the country look at themselves and say, look at me, no I'm not. And they too have ended up marking some other race with no data about their communities to analyze later. We looked at the comments in opposition to the combined question and where they were coming from. 
And there was only one conclusion to be had as to why the Trump administration has sat on this recommendation with no action. If you allow Latinos to answer a Latino-only question and not being forced to also check off a racial category, and you do the same for people from the Middle East, and they're not forced to check off white, you're going to hasten the decline of the white population to the point that this country becomes a majority-minority country. And that has been what was behind putting science aside in 2020. So we thought, wow, this is really going to make our job difficult to count everybody in this next census. Little did we know. Yesterday, the nation learned the true motivation behind adding a citizenship question to the 2020 census. We learned that political actors seek to manipulate the 2020 census for partisan purposes that directly inflict injury on the nation's Latino community. The truth has been laid nakedly bare about what is being attempted in the 2020 census. If you add a question on citizenship, so go the experts on redistricting and gerrymandering, it would allow them to draw districts in a way that will further the opportunity to draw districts that benefit Republicans and non-Hispanic whites at the expense of Latinos. But I also think there is another motivation to adding a citizenship question. It goes back to the efforts that if you can't get around the Constitution by not counting everybody, then let's do it in the back end and scare people away from being counted. And you get the same result. Efforts to suppress the count of Latinos are greater today than ever before, and we will not be rolled over. We will not be scared away. We will not make our community invisible. We will fight for our Constitution, even when others who are sworn to uphold it trample upon it. Fighting for a fair and accurate census is to continue Leo Estrada's work and legacy. Because of his work, we're ready for this fight. And his work here continues. His successors here at UCLA continue this noble work. Efforts like the Latino, it's over there, LPPI, directed by Sonia Diaz. Efforts by Professor Gary Segura, who was part of the legislative fight in the victory for marriage equality. Efforts by Professor Maparetto in the legislative fight to save the 2020 census, both of them serving as expert witnesses in civil rights lawsuits, a role that Leo fulfilled numerous times during the course of his career. And we are all united in this cause. All of us have had a role in working together to further Leo's work. So I'm gonna ask those of you who were students of Leo Estrada, or who were mentored and advised, please stand.
You are the legacy of his brilliance. Please remain standing. Those of you who were his peers, who had the opportunity to work alongside him in the academy and research, please stand. You had a gift in your careers to be able to have a colleague as Leo Estrada. Those of you whose lives were touched in some way by his knowledge, his gift of pedagogy, his compassion, or his love, please stand. My friends, we stand on solid footing, a launching pad for the future. We stand on the shoulders of Leo Estrada. I invite you to look across the horizon where we can see from this perch the dawn of justice and equity in the power of data, in the power of knowledge, in the power of pedagogy, in the power of analysis, in the policy of reason, in the power of Leobardo Estrada. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.